Hi, Ruben, can you hear me? Uh, okay, folks, we are live on the air. And folks, welcome to tonight's edition of Students for Better Future Radio. I'm your host, Doreen Finkel, with, uh, along with Cisco Acosta. And Cisco, can you hear me? Um, are, can you hear me, Cisco? Okay, we're good. Yes. Folks, we're having technical. Okay, now I can hear you. Um, I, I want right. to apologize to everyone. Blog Talk Radio was down just a few minutes ago. Um, so if you had tried to call in, um, call back. And um, I know I see the note flashing across my screen. It must be something in the weather or whatever. Um, but anyhow, we do have a great show for you coming up. We're going to be talking about religious liberty and why it's important. And uh, we're going to be bringing on a guest. His name is Gre- Chris Zeller. He's a master of divinity and pastoral ministry. But before we get into that, we want to talk about this week's events. The first thing is the terrorist attack in New York City. And I know um, folks said before, and the post is very accurate, I do blame the two uh, two particular leaders of New York City. One, Chuck Schumer, who uh, who has a program with the H, uh, HB1 visas, and also promotes the, the um, diversity under that. And also the other one to blame, is the mayor of New York City, Mayor de Blasio, who uh, makes it a sanctuary city. And I want to go to my host here. Cisco, what say you on that? Is the post correct? Well, yes. I mean, there's definitely, uh, as you stated, uh, there's blood running all over uh, um, Governor Cuomo and, and de Blasio. They have blood in their hands. And, uh, again, the diversity program Contrary to what we're listening to in the mainstream media and the democratic control media, that it was under Bush. That's the latest now, that this whole program came under Bush in 2010. That's how delusional they are. 2010, it was Obama that was in, in power, and he was the president. And Chucky Schumer, as he's well known in, 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 New, York, in New York City, New York State, and all over, he is, his name is stamped all over that diversity program. And this, this terrorist was here in this country illegally because he did not oblige to when he was supposed to be deported. He, he basically went from New York, I mean Tampa, he lived in Tampa, he was in Ohio. So I'm glad President Trump called him out, called Chucky Schumer out like he's supposed to be. And I feel sorry for the people in New York. I mean, I was born and raised in New York City. But the way New York mm-hmm. City is run today in New York State, I feel sorry for, and I have family in New York. It's in New York City. 
It's just incredible, Doreen. I'm so lit up. I mean, I'm so pissed that things like this are still happening, and the Democrats continue to make excuses. So that's my piece. And it's also, and I also want to make a comment about those of you when you go to vote. You know, you got to start considering this stuff because it's not going to get any better. You know, right now we have people afraid. Some people don't fly. You know, people afraid to do this, people afraid to do that, you know, because because you we invited the bad element in here. You can right. put vote in good people who who will take control over the immigration policy and really have an understanding for it. I'm just stuck with the open borders, letting everybody in the country, you know, without the, um, checking their background and whatnot. And, and then now we have this. We have eight souls that paid for with their lives. They were just ordinary people who, who got up, went to work, or whatever they were doing on a daily basis, and, and their lives ended. It's so, funny. It's funny because I used, um, I used to I used to I used to work I used to work in that area. I mean I I know exactly where where it happened, and I went to school around there. Uh, and and when I I I I heard the news, it was like, wow, deja vu. I was just there a couple of months ago, in that area, and uh, you know every year, I would go to the Halloween parade, biggest Halloween parade. In the city, I mean, in the country, I mean, it's in New York City, and I, I, I was so upset yesterday, and I'm still upset. And the only individuals that need to be blamed for, the only group, and the only party that needs to be blamed for this incident, and that this is this is just we had we had California, we had Orlando, we had uh, we've had different incidents, and. They're still happening, and this is just the beginning with the trucks. This is the new tactic that these cowards are basically using, and we and we are allowing them to do that to us. So, uh, mm-hmm. and I feel I feel sorry for the people in New York. Cuomo, Cuomo, right. and the Blasio do not care about you. They care about the terrorists and the illegals. That's who they care about. They don't give a sh- Excuse me. They don't care about the average American or the American people at all. So, and and it's it's interesting because we're we're what we're about sixteen years out of the big terrorist attacks, right. and you know after trying to recover from that and thinking that it's never going to happen again, is belonging. Right. You know. Of course. Um, but the bottom line is the second one really should have never happened. It, it, we, we need to, again, look at the policy and see how we're, we're handling the, the Everything goes back to immigration. If we controlled it, it does. you know, we wouldn't have these issues. You know, but, oh, okay, it, I believe we, like have our, we have our get. Go ahead, Cisco. It's just like it's happening in, in Europe. The same thing is happening. You know, the UK has been there's been an invasion of these individuals in in the UK, in France, in Sweden, in Finland. 
You know, the countries that do not have any problems, do not have any issues with Muslim terrorism are countries like Poland, a country like Slovakia, a country like Hungary, and a country like Japan. Why? Because there's no Muslim immigration to those countries at all. Right. So who knows? Maybe we will be winding up moving there. I don't want to say that, but you know, <laughs> we. I, I love America. You know, I, I'm hoping I do that too. I do too, some but, sensible but, people. Know, I I do too, Doreen. But I, we have politicians in this country that have sold their soul to the enemy, into the uh, into uh, into the enemy. So I I I don't see how how that can change, unless there's there's definitely. Uh, a waking up of, of 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 we the people. That's the only way I can see. If we wake up, if the majority of the of the Americans of people wake up and really put panic politicians, then we may see a change. Otherwise, we won't see a change. They'll continue to these things will continue to happen. Right, and it's it's going to be up to us to do a change. Exactly. Um, okay, so I I believe we have our guest on the line. Hold on. Okay, Chris, is that you? I'm here. Chris, can you hear us, Chris? Hey. Welcome. Welcome. Hey, to what's the up, show. guys? Thank oh, you. Hi. Good, good. Good to have you. Finally, a voice to to a Facebook page. I mean, a Facebook uh, homepage. <laughs> well, I'm 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 honored <laughs> and privileged that you guys had me on. Definitely, definitely. Uh, um, yeah, thanks. Chris so, is a. Uh, tell us who, who you are, Chris. My name is Chris Zeller. I'm a I'm a pastor of 17 years. Um, I pastored churches for about 12 years, and now I'm a chaplain. I've been a professional chaplain for the last five years, and I've been hospice chaplaincy, prison ministry, and I've got tons of education in the theological arena. Okay. Awesome. Uh, and and well, we're going to be talking well, about re- religious liberty, right? Yes. Can can you tell us what? We'll bring in. I we'll, got this. Go. The majority of the conversation will be religious uh, freedom, but also we're going to bring in uh, one of Chris's uh, favorite topic, which is Trump. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Ahead. You know, first, first. <laughs> First, let me let me let me first talk about what you guys were talking about when when uh, when I got on the line. You know, um, the, the reality is that Islam is a protected religion in the United States, right. and and this and it creates a lots of, lots of problems because trying to trying to differentiate between Islam and Sharia law is really hard. Um, sh- Sharia law is is inextricably bound to Islam. And so what happens is people get angry at Islam, but the reality is the problem is not with Islam. It's really with Sharia law. And the pro- the problem with immigration isn't the immigration, it's the assimilation. And right. if people come to, if people come to this does. country and they, if they assimilate into our culture and they become Americans, there's no problem because at that point they're not going to practice they're not going to practice Sharia because they're going to realize it's not compatible with what America is about. 
Um, but unfortunately, there's, you know, there's this percentage of people, and they're not a majority. You know, they're, they're still a minority. There's just too large of a minority that come into this country, and they don't assimilate, and they stay in their little silos. And, uh, and as, as long as we allow that to happen, we have a problem. I mean, any healthy country is going to realize that in order for a person to come to this country, it's not just, hey, we're going to let you come here, but it needs to be, we're going to let you come here and we expect you to assimilate and follow certain guidelines that are established by the citizenry of our nation. Right. But I, 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 I want to ask you something. Doesn't, doesn't Wahhabi, the Wahhabi aspect of Islam, it's part of the problem? Well, it, it is because they're funded by the Saudi Arabians. And they've, exactly. they've started, and they've started uh, mosques all over this country. Um, they yes. fund mosques. That they fund Islamic study programs at, at major colleges and Ivy League universities all over the country. Um, they are the single biggest funder of Islam in the United States. And one of the things that bothers me is, you know, you, you may remember when Trump was standing with, with, the, with King Saud and he had his fingers on the, the crystal ball. Um, yes. And I was, very, I was very upset because Trump, Trump pledged to give money to Saudi Arabia for weapons. And actually, he made a weapons deal with the Saudi Arabians right. while he was there. And that really bothered me because that's the same kind of thing that George W. Bush would have done. It's the same kind of thing that Barack Obama did. And it's like there's this, it's like, it's like they, they're not willing to acknowledge that Saudi Arabia is one of the biggest problems in regards to global terror and radical Islam. Right, right. Well, I think, I think every president with the exception of, correct me if I'm wrong, every president with the exception of, Kennedy has actually been basically uh, they they've been bowing down to to the Saudis because the Saudis because of their oil. oil well, oil. I don't I don't think Reagan I don't think Reagan would would fall into that category. Right, Reagan he might Reagan, be able to. Reagan. Yeah, yeah, he he wouldn't he wouldn't fall into that category. But I mean, again, Ronald Reagan and you know you talked about you know the la the the last conservative Democrat president who was, you know, John F. Kennedy, they, both of them were constitutionalists and they were yeah. more interested in, in our country than they were in, and, and they were, they were, they were concerned about national sovereignty. Um, right. they, they would choose national sovereignty over trying to be part of a world community. And that's one of the biggest issues we have here is that, you know, I hate the term globalism because every time someone says it, I think of Alex Jones, and he's such a fruitcake. I, I I don't even I don't even like to use that term because he's such a you know gay frogs and and everything. But well, but the reality is is that there are globalists out there that want us to become part of a world community at the expense of our national sovereignty. Yeah, you took the words out of my mouth because I was going to come back at you for that because you made a comment that you know, oh the globalists must be hiding under your bed. Uh, in one of, one of the um, one of the comment sections that you, on your homepage, well, there is there is you know globalism is not a conspiracy. There, there, there's globalists out there like like the George Soros of the world. Uh, they're they're globalists. They don't believe in sovereignty or a country or they're not loyal to anything. And that's the reason they believe in open borders because they believe the whole world 
should be open to anything and everything. Uh, but and, but you know and, yeah, yeah but you know what I would I'd point out to you that it's not just about it's not just about that. I mean when when you talk about billionaires, billionaires want to save money and they want to be they want to make more money. There's never enough money for them. It's like J.D. Rockefeller when he was when he was you know he was still here living on the earth many years ago. Um, he was once asked how much money is enough, and he said just a little bit more. Uh, and so you know if you if you think a billionaire is happy with how much money they have, you don't understand human nature. You know greed is a, is a very powerful thing, and for them they want labor. Because it increases it increases their bottom line, and you know people like to talk about George Soros, but the Mercers um, are worth four times what he's worth, and they're conservatives, and they contribute to people like Senator Ted Cruz, who oh, I'm a big fan of his. But you know they, they contribute a lot of money to conservative politicians. So right. I mean, you know, you're talking about fighting against the Chamber of Commerce, really. When you talk, and that's really the biggest issue when you talk about open borders, and you talk about, um, and you talk about globalism. The conservative Chamber of Commerce is every bit of a pro- as much of a problem as the left is. I I agree with you on that, but where 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 we differ is the fact that George Soros has been it's been documented, well documented. That he's been basically trying to uh, basically tumble governments in, in whatever way. I mean, he's he's been very involved in the Ukraine, in Ukraine, in the Ukraine. He's been very involved in in, in the elections in, in, in Uruguay. Uh, you know, legalizing marijuana. This man, as many as he's not the only one, are involved in very very. You know, they don't. They want to overthrow government. They want to basically have 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 a globalist, a, a new world order. That's not, that's not a conspiracy. I mean, these, if you listen to the conversation on Channel Two on 60 Minutes in, in the late 70s, George Soros came out and said, "This is what this is what I want. This is what I want. I want right. basically open borders." So it's not a conspiracy. You know, I hear people saying conspiracy. It's not a conspiracy. The guy has come out and said it, and he's a, he's a, he's a big-time player. I mean, the, the Koch brothers who support Ted Cruz, which I, I, I like Ted Cruz a lot, too, uh, they're different. I don't see them being a, a, as evil as, 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 as the Soros of the world. Well, but they're, you know, right. I, I understand what you're saying. It's just, it's just they're just coming from a different point of view. I mean, you know, the reality is, is that, the, I don't know if you if you remember this or not, my friend, but uh, Paul Manafort was the campaign manager for Donald Trump during the during the uh, convention, and the GOP right. at that time changed they changed their platform to be to be friendlier towards Russia in its dealings with Ukraine, and so right. to say that to, to say that. It's just Soros that wanted to do that is kind of dishonest. I mean, you know, the enemy you're talking about is he's he's also the same enemy that's on the right, and and so you know we have we have Donald Trump and Paul Manafort, and actually you know Manafort was just was just indicted for conspiracy against the United States. Uh, yeah, and, but, and, right, you know, right, right, right. 
but Chris, Chris, let's let's be fair. Let's be fair. Let's put the cards on the table. Uh, Paul Manafort worked for John Podesta, the John Podesta group. Oh, I know, brother. I I agree. But but we're getting it. We're getting we're we're getting it from both sides. I mean, you know, I don't know if you know who Shannon Joy is, but Shannon Joy all the time talks about the Unibrow Party, and that's what I'm trying to say to you, man. Is that both sides are in bed together. They're trying to accomplish the same thing. I I I I, I agree with you. I'm just saying that that when whenever I, I hear Democrats basically come up and say, well. You know, Paul Manafort, you know, he was in bed with Trump. Yeah, you know, that that could be true. But the real facts of the, uh, 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 the real facts that are on the table is that Paul Manafort was working as an agent for John Podesta Group and connecting his group to the Russians. That's the real facts. The uranium deal... That, that was, you know, the transaction of $140 million that went to the Clinton Foundation, that came all about because, you know, uh, Mueller was involved, Comey was involved. So you, you're dealing with, you know, I, 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 you can dislike or, or, or hate Trump, but the fact is that there's nothing that compromises, that will compromise Trump in regards to the Russian, there's no collusion there. It's totally dead. Well, I don't. I don't know if there. I, I don't know if there's collusion or not. I, I'm not. I'm. I'm not one of those. I'm not one of those. Not my president people, and I'm not. A, um, I'm not a. I'm not for impeachment unless there's you know serious connections that that are directly linked to Donald Trump. But what I would yeah. say to you, what what I would say to you is this. Um, I don't trust him. Um, he right. spent his whole. He spent his whole life on the left. And and I know a leftist is a leftist is a leftist. He is not Ronald Reagan. He has not had a true conversion to conservatism. Ronald Reagan was was what had been proven as a conservative for years before he finally became the the nominee for the Republican Party. And when you when you look at when you look at Donald Trump and you look at his cabinet, it's filled with Democrats. I mean, he, even even General Kelly is a Democrat. Who I really like General right. Kelly, by the way. I think that he's an outstanding. He's a, he he is the best chief of staff he could have, because he's he's really stopped a lot of the nonsense that was happening in the Trump administration. But I, right. I'll just I'll tell you I'll just tell you flat out, my friend, um, Donald Trump's not a conservative, and and so yeah. So when we talk about when we talk about these issues, you know, we're talking about. You know, we've got a Democrat in the White House, and the the difference between – I'll tell you what. He is – Bill Clinton is more was more conservative when he was president of the United States than Donald Trump is. And that fact alone, and that's a fact, you can go back and you can look at the policies and the legislation that was passed. That fact alone – should send a shiver down the spine of every single conservative Republican. We have someone in the White House who's a Republican who is less conservative than Bill Clinton was. And so, you know, and, and, and the, we're talking about globalism. Donald Trump opened, wrote an op-ed in 2013 saying that he was all for globalism. Um, the guy's he's not what people think he is. 
And right, right. we've no, been. No. I'll let you go ahead because I, I, I mean, I'll talk. Okay. I'll talk to okay. you. You go ahead. Go ahead, Doreen. Go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, well, now I want to well, go no. back to a statement that you made um, uh, earlier that Islam is a protected religion. But how, how about Christianity? Christianity is absolutely protected. Uh, when you, when you, when, so so here's so so let me let me answer your question because it's kind of a tough question to answer. Um, okay. Christianity is protected. Mm-hmm. Islam is protected. Buddhism is protected. You know there are lots of religions. Uh, you know Santa Maria is protected. I worked in a prison for uh, about six years and I had to administer the religious rights of three. 3,500 men for that period of time for the six years. And all religions that I've just mentioned are protected, and there are another hundred or so that are protected. The, the big issue with Islam is that it has been protected because of what the courts have decided um, and how they've interpreted, how they've interpreted um, the Constitution in regards to Islam. Sharia law is not protected. And this is where conservatives need to make a stand. Um, Sharia law can actually be outlawed in states. And we could outlaw it and we could prevent the real issue that we're having with Islam, which is the manifestation of Sharia. Um, But as far as Islam itself, Islam is one of the world's um, most popular. It's actually... At this point, that religion is probably larger than, than even Christianity is. It, it, it grow, it's growing so fast because of the number of children they have. Right, right. They, uh, a, a very grow, a large growing population all over the world. But uh, what, yeah. what's the, um, what's the um, in regards to religious freedom, is religious freedom being impacted and pushed away in the, at the college level, at the high school level, at the grammar school level, where they're basically trying to rewrite religion or push away religion. What's your take on that? Are you talking about how schools are trying to push certain religions? I'm not, I'm not sure I understand the question. Most of, of the uh, high-level education, uh, college level, they're pushing aside Christianity. They're they're not. They're basically trying to way take away uh, the the you know more atheists. There's more more. They're pushing to move away from the Christianity the the Christi, Christianity religion uh, the Christian religion. Instead, they're pushing more the, the Islam. Islam is being pushed in a lot of colleges. Well, it's not just colleges, my friend. It's 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 high schools and middle schools and elementary schools. Right. Okay. I lived in I lived in California. I, I'm in Arizona right now, but I lived in California for a good part of my life, and uh, my kids were were taking a soci- sociology course, and uh, one of my kids was, and he was in like the fourth or fifth grade, and I read what the book said about Christianity and Islam, and it made. Islam sounded like it was a great religion that respected other religions, and it demonized Christians as sexist and homophobes. And I remember I went to the I went to the principal and I told him, you know, this is unacceptable. You know, I'm a pastor of a church, and 
this is clearly discriminatory and it's not right. He shouldn't be teaching right. this. And they were going to they were going to show a video on Islam in the in the class. And I said, my son's not going to watch it because after reading your text, I know what you guys are about. And I complained about it, and he looked at me and he said, "Well, that's the curriculum that was approved by the school board." And that's the real issue that we have here is that education has been taken over by the government. And right. um, the reality is is that as long as as long as the government controls education, there's not a lot we can do about it because there's just too many progressives in the government. And the answer, you know, is to is to end the Department of Education. Ronald Reagan said he wanted to do it. He didn't do it. Ted Cruz said he was going to do it, but he didn't get elected. I believe Donald right. Trump said he was going to do it. He's never going to do it. Um, and so, you know, that's the real issue is that when the when the state takes over the educational system, you can expect some kind of universal indoctrination coming from the people that are in control. And unfortunately, those people are the progressives. So you, what's your opinion on Betty DeVos? Hold on, Chris. Um, Chris, do you know, Chris, can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. Can you hear me, Chris? Yeah, I can hear you. You know, I homeschooled homeschooled my boys um, just upon what what you said, basically because I went to and and I got that, and... um, I'll tell you, you know, I have one son now who's on his way to becoming a doctor, another one who's going into law. Um, so they they really got a, a full background, um, particularly in Christianity. And, um, you know, with homeschool, we actually met up with all our homeschoolers around the, the uh, in the neighborhood and in, in our county and all that, you know, so... I can't say they were socially deprived either. I just thought I'd state that fact because <laughs> uh, I'm because uh, you, you know, and when you don't have control, you know that's what they're they're teaching you. They want the progressive curriculum, and and you know, even. Read or write or or yeah. Well, can I can I can I say something to you, sister? Um, I'd like to say first of all, kudos kudos to you for homeschooling your kids and producing a doctor and a lawyer. That's just that's so cool, and you're never going to regret that. That's that's the best decision you've ever made in your life. Probably besides marrying your husband. I mean. You just, that's a really awesome uh-huh. decision you made. And I know the commitment uh-huh. and, and the hard work that it took because my wife homeschools my kids. Um, I've got three at home there and they're 15, <laughs> they're 15, 14, and 12. And um, my wife wants to pull her hair out of her head every day. And um, <laughs> it's, it's, it's a hard job, but my wife, my wife would never trade it and, we we go without things, and I make a good salary as a as a chaplain for a hospice. But the reality is is that the the economy that we live in now is a two income economy, and so we we go without things 
because my wife and I believe very strongly in homeschooling, so I just want to just commend you for that. Because the same here. And, you know, and we see that other people in our family have the big giant houses and, and whatnot. But you know what? I could say I have good kids and, and they're going to make it, you know. So, Amen. Doreen, you're, anyhow, Doreen, you're a great mom. Doreen, you're a great mom and a great person. Uh-huh. And, and I'll tell you, homeschooling, you know, is, you do have to have a lot of patience, but at the same time, it's very rewarding. And, you know, the the big thing about it is that we got to choose our, our curriculum based up upon some of the things that you had said in this conversation. Well, you get, you get to teach them about you get to teach them about Jesus, and you get to teach yep. them about the Constitution. And you know the, yep. the sad reality is is that most kids that are going through that are going through public schools aren't going to spend any time on the Constitution. They're going to spend all their time on Common Core and you know math and and reading and that stuff's important. But if you don't teach the Constitution and you don't teach you know, biblical literacy. You've created people that don't that are that are poor citizens, and that have poor morals. And you know, my kids, um, you know, my kids know more about the Constitution and American history than I do. It's kind of embarrassing. <laughs> uh huh. Um, <laughs> so, but, <laughs> that's that's that's, 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 that's impressive. Uh, well, you're absolutely right, but it, 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 I mean, in regards to, to this, and you're right because my son has gotten a lot on the Constitution, and we we've also been blessed about having a fellow by the name of Andy Schlafly that lives not too far from us. He's the son of Phyllis Schlafly, and I know he, he is. Run, run, runs a constitutional group, and so he he has done a lot of teaching with them. Um, so, but, but go ahead. We use we well, use curriculum by 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 Steve by Steve Ferris, but but go ahead. Let's 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 move on. Yeah. So uh, okay. Let's just go. Yeah. Religious freedom. So where where do we stand on religious freedom in, in this country? In our country. Well, we live in a we live in a pluralistic society, and so you know because we because we value the Constitution, and at this point, even the Supreme Court values uh, religious liberty, and that's actually a good that's good news. Um, you know, there there are some rulings that come down that are pretty heartbreaking and pretty upsetting, but but like for instance, we, you know, we're still doing okay because like you know, the Sisters of the Poor won against the Obama administration, which is a huge victory. Um, you know, so at at this point, you know, we still have our religious our religious freedom, and and we still have our liberties, and and we're going to, um, you know, one thing about about Trump, I mean, he 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 says he's for religious liberty, um, he hasn't really done much for it. He signed an executive order that didn't really didn't didn't really do anything, but the fact that he affirmed religious liberty is a good thing because it's not something that Barack Obama would have done. Um, but you know, really, religious liberty rests in the hands of the Supreme Court, 
And right. that's the that's that's the real issue that we have here going ahead. Um, I don't know. I mean, you know, if we end up with a with a couple of wrong picks in the judiciary, we can have a real problem with religious liberty going in, in into the future. But we just don't know right now. And and honestly, um, the way things are going right now, I don't know what's going to happen. I mean, Gorsuch was was probably a he's not a great pick, but I would say he's probably a good pick. Um, right. He 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 definitely is not going to side against religious liberty. He's probably more of a libertarian than he is a conservative, and I don't think most yeah. people realize that. Which I'm okay with that. I'd, I'd rather have all libertarians on the bench that have progressives, because libertarians believe in liberty, even if they believe in liberty that I don't necessarily agree with, like you know legalizing drugs and that kind of thing. But um, you know, so, so far you know we're in good shape. But what's going to matter? What's what really matters going forward is what's going to happen with Ginsburg and uh, Kennedy, because both of them are, right. are they're both going to retire soon, and right. um, you know they're probably going to wait. Ginsburg's going to wait until Trump is gone, or she's going to die on the bench. And Kennedy might leave the bench, but I I don't know what'll happen. I mean, you know the conservatives that were surrounding Trump at the beginning of the of his of his administration. Had disappeared, and I'm not a fan of Steve Bannon, but the fact that he's gone may not be really a good thing for conservatives because now everybody that surrounds Donald Trump is a Democrat. So, right. and I, 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 I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a proud libertarian, and uh, because you know, you know, if you know Ted Cruz, Ted Cruz deep down, he's a libertarian, um, and I, but libertarians come in different, uh, different. You know, forms. I mean, uh, not all libertarians believe in legalizing drugs. He's a he's a Glenn them. Beck he's he's a Glenn Beck libertarian, Cisco. Yeah, he's a yeah, he's. Um, but I'm saying libertarians come in different packages. I mean, that's what I what, I, what I'm trying to say. But I think I think in regards to the Supreme Court, Trump has a good opportunity to uh, pick some you know someone similar to Gorsuch. Because I think Gorsuch, I, I like I, I like his pick, but I, I do miss Scalia. I don't think we'll will uh, Trump will pick someone like Scalia. No, he he will probably go with a moderate. Um, because he's gonna he here's the thing about Donald Trump, he wants to be loved and accepted. Right and. And 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 when people don't love and accept him, he lashes out, you know. And and so if he'll probably pick somebody like a um, who was the guy that Obama picked uh, Garland, he'll probably pick somebody like Garland. I I wouldn't even be surprised if he picked Garland, you know, to be to be the nominee just so that just so the Democrats would support it. I mean, he's not. I don't expect another Heritage Foundation pick to be, and this is if he survives, you know, the current scandal. I don't think we're going to get another another uh, Gorsuch. That's just it's too much to expect from Trump. Go, go ahead, Doreen. Uh, well, no, I was just thought, listening, and um, you know, I want to go back to. The religious liberty, and I want to read it 
what the First Amendment does say. Because the First Amendment to the Constitution states that Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise of or abridging the freedom of speech or press or the right of the people peacefully to assemble and petition the government for redress of grievances. And, and that's what, what it says in there. So actually any religion, anybody should have, have the right to practice whatever the religion is. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, but, but I would, I would yeah. add Sharia law is not constitutional. And the reason it's not constitutional is because it 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 infringes upon other constitutional rights of, of other citizens. So Sharia law is not constitutional, and it should not never be deemed or accepted as, as constitutional. This is the problem that Britain had: is that their courts deemed that Sharia was legal in Britain. And then they ended up with entire neighborhoods that are called no-go zones where not even the police will go because Sharia law is in effect. And if they go there, they're going to, you know, they're going to die. You know, it's very dangerous for them to go to those places. Um, so if America is smart, they will adhere to the Constitution because your rights end when you violate my rights. And that's a constitutional principle. You know, I mean, so what, the minute that yeah. you go, go ahead, sweetie. I'm sorry. Well, so what do what do Americans need to do now to to enact to to uh, I guess enact a law to say that you will be It has to be state by state. It, there's no way. There's no way that it. You're never going to get a federal law or an amendment to the Constitution. You're, you're never going to get – it's not even going to happen at a convention of states, where, if that even happens. Um, I, I think that, you know, Article 5, Article 5 Convention of States is a great way to fix the things that are happening in our government right now, but not regarding this. This is going to have to be something that happens on a state level. So uh, okay. how would how would uh, the election of a how would the election of a, a of a first time Muslim governor in the state of Michigan how would that uh, accelerate Sharia law in in that state since you're saying that it's, a, it's more of a state issue? Well, you would, if the legislature there um, passed a law basically approving Sharia you would have a problem because um, what would happen is eventually that would end up in front of the Supreme Court of the United States. And that's what's going to happen with all, with, with all of this, whether it's in Kentucky or, you know, which in some of these southern states, some of these conservative southern states, they've already passed laws against Sharia law. Um, and eventually it's going to end up in front of the Supreme Court. And here we are again talking about the Supreme Court. And they're ultimately going to determine how to interpret the law um, it's pretty scary, you know. I mean, honestly, because if if the Supreme Court were to rule in the favor of a law that was sponsored by the governor of Michigan, you know, like you said, um, that would be a legal precedent, and you don't change legal precedent in the United States. Legal, legal precedent rarely gets overturned. Otherwise, uh, you know, Roe versus Wade would would we could overturn it. The problem is it's legal precedent. 
And so when you right. listen to when you listen to um, Gorsuch in front of the Senate, you know he said that uh, you know that Roe versus Wade was a law of the land, and you know that abortion was legal and that kind of thing. He made a lot of people angry because he talked about you know how a fetus is not a is not a it's not a person and those kinds of things, and a lot of conservatives freaked out. Well, I heard it and I was like, well. That's not what I want him to say, but I know why he said it. Um, he he might not. He probably wouldn't have been confirmed if he hadn't said it. And so he was just affirming legal precedent, which I disagree with. I think it's terrible law. But you know that's the reality of what we're dealing with here. I mean, whatever the Supreme Court decides is going to end up being the law. Because unless we have a convention of states, like I said previously, and they 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 reign in the judiciary, the, the reality is the Supreme Court is more powerful than the founders and the framers intended for it to be, and that's a whole different so, issue. You know, talk about the Constitution. So, so if you're saying that, if you're saying that, Chris, then how the hell is a a a, a, a state judge in Hawaii? Blocking the ban on the seven Muslim nations. How is that possible? I mean, it, it was it was Cisco. It was totally unconstitutional. Uh, for, I'm not I'm not talking about the the immigration. I'm, ta- I'm not talking about the ban. I'm talking about the ruling of the judge. He totally violated the Constitution, and you know it was ultimately struck down, and the the Supreme Court made made the Trump administration change some of the language for the ban, but even they were wrong. And this, and this shows you just how, how out of touch we are with the, with the constitution. The reality is, is that anything the president wanted to, wanted to ban any immigration he wanted to ban was legal. And he it shouldn't have been challenged, but we're at the place where the courts, we, the courts have taken over, and they're starting to rule from the bench. We have activist judges in every circuit. And so um, <laughs> there's a problem that's beyond my pay grade because, you know, I'm, I'm kind of an expert on religious liberty, but when it comes to the judicial system, I'm not an expert in that area. It just makes me sick because I know the Constitution and I know they're wrong. Because it actually right. makes it, it makes them act – I mean, they're acting like dictators. I mean, the president's – the president is really doesn't have the real power that everyone assumes that he has. Because a, a, a low-level state judge is overruling. Yeah, I I, I know, right. and it's it's pretty frustrating. I mean, that's not the way that it's supposed to be. You know, you have the you have the the chief executive of the executive branch, and he should be able to execute his duties. You know, to prevent, um, to say, to 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 keep the people safe from bad actors in other countries. But we're in a place in our society where progressives have infiltrated every part of the government. And so, you know, even doesn't matter if it's Ted Cruz or Donald Trump or whoever else it is. You know, the progressives have control of those institutions. He's right, and. And I'm wondering how long, or, or um, just 
ever we will ever get that back. I, to be honest that, with, what is your name? What is your name, sweetheart? I don't, I don't know what your name is. <laughs> I'm Doreen LaGuardia. Doreen. Go ahead. Okay. Yes. Doreen, I, I can tell you this. I, I honestly don't think we're going to get it back. And I know this is a very pessimistic view, but the reality is, is that the state has too much power. Um, it would take, it would take a president who would come in and insist on slashing and cutting government and eliminating many, many institutions that currently exist, whether you're talking about, you know, the EPA or whether you're talking about, um, whether you're talking about getting rid of, you know, the Department of Education or whatever, it, it, it goes, that's important because those, in, those institutions make laws that are unconstitutional. Um, and then the only way to fix the judicial system, and it's this, there's only two ways to fix it. The, one way to fix it is for Congress to actually impeach judges who violate the Constitution, which is never going to happen because, um, honestly, they don't care. And there are too many progressives in Congress. And many of them have, have the R, the magic R next to their name. Um, or the other way to fix it is through a convention of states, Article 5, Constitution, Article 5, Convention of States. And that could work. Um, and we're getting close to a convention of states. We, we still need some states to, to, to jump on to join us. Uh, but big concern with that is, you know, what is the convention of states going to put forth if they actually get to the number? I think that they need to have a total of, uh, I don't know, 37 states. I think that's what it is in order to have a convention of states. So, and they're, they're getting close. They're close to 30 states. Um, right. But that's, but those are the only two ways to fix this. Yeah, 30, you need ahead, 37 states. Yeah, you need 37 states in order to uh, for it to 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 pro- progress. But I think I think the the problem that we have, and you 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 said it very well, the fact that these low state level judges have so much power, and we need Congress to go in there and impeach some of these judges. But the system is so corrupt. The political system in our country is so corrupt on all levels, federal, state, but there's, there's individuals, again, I go back to Soros, there's individuals like Soros and, and many others that have corrupted the whole political system in, the, in our country. Well, I, t- I tell you what, Cisco, you know, one of the things that, and conservatives got behind this, and this is a, a real problem, and it's funny because I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to side with John McCain for a minute which is really, you know, kind of icky to me, even though he is my senator here in Arizona. But, you know, John McCain, John McCain, when he was fighting against, when he was fighting for camp, campaign finance reform, he was against big money having an influence on political elections. And he lost. And, um, and the Supreme Court determined in Citizens, in Citizens United that right. – you know, the big money coming from corporations, et cetera, that, that was freedom of speech, which is really an interesting ruling if you really think about it. So, you know, if uh, if GE wants to give, you know, $3 billion to the Democrats, they can do that because of Citizens United. 
Now, there are limitations on how much people can give and that kind of thing. But, you know, the reality is, and I'm a conservative, I'm all for free markets and everything, but when it comes to the political process, what's happened is you have big corporations and big money from all different types of industries that have bought politicians lock, stock, and barrel. And I need to point something out before I'm done. One of the things Donald Trump bragged about when he ran for president was that he had bought politicians and that they would do whatever the hell, whatever the hell he wanted them to do because he had, he had given them campaign finance money. That's a real problem. And it's yeah. not going to go away. And Donald Trump can't fix that. And the Supreme Court already ruled on it. So, my friend Cisco, I don't know how you fix it because we already have legal precedent now, and it's pretty hard to overturn that. No, you're 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 right. It's 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 a huge problem, and you know, going and voting is not gonna it's not the res, it's not the re, uh, resolution to this problem. This is beyond fixable, in my opinion. Yeah, but then that leaves us to to what can we do? What what do we have at our fingertips? Well, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you that this is my opinion, and it's only my opinion. Um, take it for take it or leave uh-huh. it. But the only way to fix it is we need a viable third party. And I, you know I'm still a registered Republican, even though many of my friends on Facebook and other places have left the Republican Party for justified reasons. But I'm just going to say I really believe that a viable third party is the only solution because i just put it like this. The, the, the Democrats are not going to change. And if they do change, it will be because their voters demand that they change and start a new party. The Republicans are not going to change unless their voters demand so and they start a new party. And um, – the Democrats are probably not going to change anything because Democrats are fine with big government. But there are enough Republicans and conservatives who are not okay with it that could start a third party. And our party in particular was born from the third party movement. The only time a third party has ever, has ever succeeded to, to gain the reins of power in history was when the Whigs had upset their base by electing a populist, pay attention to what I'm about to say, they elected a populist mm-hmm. who did not align with the, with the beliefs of the people, of the, the, the base. And then the Republican Party was born, and they elected Abraham Lincoln. And so we really, you know, that's where the, the Republican Party was the first third party to win elections and to gain control of Congress and the White House. Um. Our party needs to change. The Republican Party needs to change. You may call yourself an independent, but your views are not. Your views are conservative. And so it's time for the for us to have a third party that can actually make significant change. Well, I think we I think we have That's a third awesome. party already. It's called, it's called the Libertarian Party. Well, you know, unfortunately, I voted. I'll, I'll tell you, Cisco. I voted for. I voted for. Uh, um, what's his name? Gary Johnson. I voted for Gary Johnson only because Hillary Clinton and Donald Trump were too disgusting for me to vote for. Um, Gary Johnson was a terrible candidate. 
you know, if Austin Peterson had won the nomination, I think the right, Libertarians right. would have had a, would have had a, a good shot at uh, at least splitting the Republican vote. Um, I I think the Libertarian Party is a problem because half of the party is super liberal and half the party is super conservative. And so I don't think the Libertarian Party is actually a solution Be- because it's it's too hard to bring those two groups together. That's why that's why that's why you had Johnson Weld. Johnson Weld were you know you had one guy that was kind of a fruity libertarian, another guy that was a flat out progressive Republican running as a, a libertarian. Weld. Um, that's not at least at this point they're not the answer. They're not. And well. I don't, I don't, I don't see, I don't see the constitutional party or the Green Party or any other party out there that really uh, has a growing number of people. It's not going to be any of it's. It's not going to be any of them, Cisco. I'm going to tell you. I'm going to tell you right now, brother. It's not going to be the Federalist Party. It here's what's going to happen. You're going to have somebody who is who is a star in the Republican Party. And they're going to get and they're going to have name recognition and people are going to know who they are and they're going to have a big following and they're going to say that's it. I'm done. And I'm doing my own right. thing. Um and Chris, and that's that, running that, out of time. Okay. Uh, um yeah, do you have a website? I don't. I have a Facebook page. Nope, all I have okay. is a Facebook page uh, where I make people mad all day. <laughs> you, you sure do. You sure do. Uh, but I, I always enjoy interesting uh, topic. I always, yeah. I always enjoy reading Chris's uh, comments. Um, uh, you know, especially the the religious liberty and particularly why it's important. And um, we actually have 26 seconds left, so. Um, Chris, you're welcome on our show anytime. Um, yes. And uh, Ruben, do you want to do a closer? Oh yes, yes. After after the the second most tra- tragedy that has occurred in New York City after 9/11, we still have a government of of Democrats in New York City in New York State that continue to do the same thing that that they've been doing for so many years, denying protection to the American people who live in New York City. That has to stop. 2018, 2020, elect new individuals that are going to protect the American people. Otherwise, Amen. this will continue to happen. Amen. Yep. And um, folks... Uh, yep, okay, and um, we are out, but I just didn't want to tell you to please go to studentsforbetterfuture.com. That's the nonprofit that, that supports this show, and also um, in the upcoming shows, we have Judge Reed Chambers. He's going to be discussing Obamacare and its conflicts with the Constitution, and um, we have some more great guests coming, so stay tuned till next week, and we are out. We'll see you next week. Thank you, Chris. Thank you. God bless you.